0: So I want to ask you a question. What would you do if you had more time? What would you do with that extra time in a day? Would you uh, have an afternoon nap? Or maybe would you get caught up on some chores around the house? Maybe you'd sit down and have a coffee with your spouse or call up a a long-time friend and have a meaningful conversation. Maybe you'd read a good book or watch an extra show. Maybe you go shopping for that next special vacation that you've been planning for. Despite our best intentions, what I've come to realize is that most of us would probably let that extra hour just slip away. Maybe we get caught up in some chores or in the house or mindlessly zone out in our favorite social media platform as we scroll through. The, thing, the answer I've come to realize is, is that it isn't more time that we need, but actually a better awareness of the time that we already have I got thinking about this, and I started thinking about my car. You know, we got our tires changed to winter tires not too long ago, and you know the alignment wasn't just right, and so there was always a pull off to the side of the road, and you're always having to fight that pull. And if you don't fight the pull, what happens is that it it kind of takes you where you don't want to go. It takes you into the ditch. And I've I kind of was thinking about that a little bit and realizing that culture and and life just sort of happens to be sort of that pull, right? If we don't get control of it, if we don't fix it, our time can kind of take us to places that maybe we didn't really desire to go. We always have to fight against it. And so this is an opportunity as we stand on the the, the cusp of a new year, an opportunity to reevaluate our time and where our time is leading us. There's lots of things that have been said about time. For example, Harvey McKay, he says, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Steve Jobs, he says, it's really clear that the most precious resource we all have is time. Nelson Mandela, he said, we must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always ripe to do what is right. Another one who said, The way we spend our time defines who we are. However we use it, time is the only currency given in equal measure. The young and the old, the the rich and the poor, the foolish and the wise are all gifted the same each day. The difference is, is how we use it. So I have some good news and some bad news for you. Here's the good news. The good news Uh, Sorry, I should leave with the bad news. The bad news is is that time flies, right? Time flies. And uh, I've known that. The more older I get, the more I realize that to be true. But the good news is this, is that you and I are the pilot. It may be flying by, but we are the pilot. Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.15, he says, Look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time making the most of every opportunity, another translation says, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't waste your time. Don't, don't, don't waste it and let it control you, but understand what God's will is or the will of the Lord is. In other words, invest it wisely. And so as we stand at the, the doorstep of another year and begin to jot down areas in our lives that we would like to clean up or maybe improve upon or set these, you know, these, What's the word I'm looking for? Resolutions is the word I was looking for. May I suggest three areas uh, that I pray that we'll all make time for this year. I pray that we would all make time to live a surrendered life, that we'd make time to live a generous life, and that we'd make time to live a missional life. See, Romans 12:1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What is this? This is the posture of humility. It's a posture of what? Surrender, right? Holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. It goes on and says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. You know, don't surrender to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. You see, the challenge I'm finding and the challenge I find in my own life is that living sacrifices, we tend to climb back off the altar, don't we? You know, we may get there at one point, we may have a defining moment that brought us to that place of surrender, but it doesn't take long, and I'll speak for myself, to kind of get back up and climb back off the altar. We quickly begin to live a life back for ourselves. Sure, our intentions may have been good and pure and just and right at the time, but we always kind of drive to the path of least resistance, right? We always want to go and live for ourselves, And so our intentions may be good, but our actions might have proved otherwise. And so here's my question for you today is, is what would your like, what would your year look like if you took a simple step in surrendering a portion of your time to Jesus again this year? What would it look like if you surrendered a portion of your day back to God? I've come to realize for myself that oftentimes we overestimate the impact of a big dynamic moment in our lives. And we underestimate the transformation that takes place through the simple, consistent, and congruent steps in our life. Those simple moments, those small moments done repeatedly over and over again. In the moment, we don't see the change, but the consistency of those moments brings immense transformation into our lives. You see, part of the process of living a surrendered life is embracing this practice and this posture of celebrating and evaluating the growth in this area, our growth in this area. So the question we ask is, where was I able to take steps in trusting Jesus more? As I look back into this last year, where where was I able to take steps in my own life where I actually trusted Jesus more? It's it's great to identify those victories and celebrate them with gratitude and thanksgiving. It's, It's okay to look back and celebrate the progress. That's not a boastful saying. That's not prideful to say, hey, I I read the Bible this year, I read through the entire books of the Bible this year, I, I spent five minutes a day every day reading the books of the Bible. You version streaks, I've said this many times before, was a gimmick, but that gimmick worked on me to be able to build that discipline of reading God's Word every day, and every time I see that, it's a celebration of faithfulness, of small, consistent, and congruent steps that I believe is leading to a transformed life as I become and grow more like Christ. So if we can celebrate when we look back, then we need to uh, evaluate what we do want to do when we're moving forward. Where do I need to take another step in trusting Jesus in his word, in his ways? Maybe we need to identify those areas that we need strength or we need help. Maybe it's giving ourselves realistic goals and and asking someone to walk with us. Maybe I suggest a challenge called the first 15 challenge. The first 15 minutes of your day that you commit them to God, surrendering your day, surrendering your heart, your plans, your agenda, your thoughts, your wills, your dreams. You surrender those to God. The first 15 challenges is very simple. It's, it's five minutes of worship. It's five minutes of, of reading God's word and five minutes of prayer. Five minutes of listening to a worship song and, and worshiping along. Five minutes of reading a passage of scripture and then five minutes of prayer. The first 15, if you can commit to that, first 15. Listen, It, it you may miss a day, but don't miss two. It's okay. You miss a day, just don't miss two. And as I've said this before, a delight and discipline will take you where desire can't. I've experienced that in my life. And so develop that discipline of where you want to grow and your life that is surrendered. So how would this kind of attitude, how would this simple step shape your life? Making time to live a surrendered life. Second is that we would make time to live a generous life. You know, a generous life grows out of, of, of a, out, it grows out of our surrendered life. Until we posture ourselves in surrender to Jesus, we truly cannot live a generous life. What is generosity? Generosity is the willingness to offer more than is generally expected. You know, I'm not being generous if I give you what you expect from me. But generosity comes out of the overflow of what is expected. You see, living a generous life is living an open-handed life in a closed-fisted world, right? It's either living, we either choose to live with a posture of fear, which is like holding tightly onto what's ours and protecting what's ours, or we live with this posture of trust, which is knowing that all that we have is gift, is a gift from God. All that we have is been given to us freely and graciously from a good Father. Paul writes to the church in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, remember this, Whoever sows or whoever gives, whoever plants sparingly will also reap sparingly, right? And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of us should decide in our hearts what to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because you have to, right? For God loves a cheerful giver. See, while this passage speaks to finances, I believe it does have a larger implications as it deals with the attitudes of our heart. A surrendered heart gives and it lives and it loves generously, not out of obligation, but out of the opportunity we have been given to give and to love and to live. We give because he first gave to us, right? It is in response to his great love who freely gave everything that he has without regard for himself. If you read on in the chapter and continue into verse 8, he says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound, you will succeed, you will thrive in every good work. See, our generosity, it never leads to personal lack. Our generosity never leads to, to lack. But what it does is it unlocks God's blessing to ensure that we have all we ever need to accomplish all that he's asked us to do in this world. And so here's the question. How can I and how can you take steps this year to live a generous life? A generous life with our time, right? A generous life with our abilities and a generous life with the resources that God has given us? What steps can we take this year to live a generous life? An honest question you can ask yourself is, am I living an open-handed life or am I living a closed-fisted life? Am I allowing Jesus to take what he needs to but also give me what he wants to? Or am I holding on to things of fear that I'll never get it back? This posture, I believe that God will just reveal to you things in your life where you're open-handed or you're closed-fisted. And what steps can we take To live this open-handed life in relationship with God and others. And the third thing is that we would make time to live a missional life. See, it was out of a complete surrender to the will of the Father that Jesus was able to live a generous life. That he was able to live a life sacrificed and in service to others. We see this in Mark's Gospel 10, verse 45. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, I believe that we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in bringing people, in bringing Jesus to people, and leading people to Jesus. We all have a part to play in living this missional life. I believe it is our primary mission as followers of Jesus. Each one of us can do our part. You may say, well, I'm not gifted in in communication. I'm not not gifted in in standing in front of people or I'm not a worship leader. I'm not this. Listen, I believe you are a 10 in some area and God has positioned you with with everything that you need to be everything he needs you to be wherever you are. Like you have everything you need to be. God doesn't just call call those who've got everything, but He, He, he gives you everything you need to live out your mission. So we all have to do four things, I believe. One is we accept a personal responsibility, right? We all have this responsibility to live a missional life. Then we also have to build then personal relationships with the people that God puts in our life. You know, we build these personal relationships. Then we share our personal story. Hey, how has Jesus changed your life? You know, how how has Jesus shaped you and changed you? How is he transforming you and making you better and new every day? And the last thing we need to do is we need to give that personal invitation, right? It's that opportunity to let them know that they too can have a relationship with Jesus. You see, we demonstrate our love for God by loving those that he loves. And who does God love? Well, God loves everyone for God to love the world, right? He, he loves everyone. And so we demonstrate our love for God, a God that we can't necessarily see and touch and feel. So we demonstrate our love for him by loving those that we can touch, see, and feel, right? The ones that are in our life, the ones that he loved. But here's the other thing. We, we, we love those. We love people best. We love them best by telling them about God's great love. We love them best by letting them know about God's great love for them. And this is the missional journey that we have. It's not about living for ourselves, but it's being eyes wide opened and making time for people. I remember there was this guy named Jonathan at my Bible school, Bible college. And, and uh, Jonathan was an amazing guy, a couple years older than me. But he was notoriously late for everything, like notoriously late for every class and for every. Because here's the thing that Jonathan did that many of us don't do. Is you know when we're walking past somebody, we see someone we know, we're walking towards, them, we go, we say, hey, hey, how are you doing? And we kind of don't stop, right? We keep moving, and we half expect that person to say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, hey, good, how are you doing? And we just pass, we just have this nicety, and we pass along. Jonathan was different. Jonathan would he'd stop you, he'd see you along the way, he'd stop, he'd say, hey how are you doing? And he would stop and look at you in the eyeballs and he'd wait for an answer. And then he would engage in follow-up conversations. Like, he was truly interested. Like, he made time for people. Now, Jonathan was notoriously late for everything and, you know, but there's something about that moment, his interaction, his making time to be missional, his making time for people that has left a mark on me even 20 years later. To live a missional life. So who has God placed in your life? Who, who do you need to make time for this year that God has placed in your life? And what doors could he open if we just leaned in a little bit more and created those kind of moments the way Jonathan did? So here's my prayer for you this year, that we would make time to live a surrendered life. You know, we would take steps in, in nurturing our personal relationship with Jesus. Secondly, that we would make time to live a generous life, that we would we take steps in trusting God. We would trust in him that he is, he's trust us and blessed in all that he's blessed us with. And thirdly, we make time to live a missional life. That we would take steps in sharing our story with those that he loves, that he loves. And so that's my prayer for you. My prayer is that this year we wouldn't just keep doing what we've always done that we celebrate the journey we've, we've come on, we celebrate where we've come from, we celebrate the, the process that God has taken us on, but we continue to look forward to what God wants to do, not just in us, but through us as we make time for him.